Welcome to Small Talk, Small Government, Episode 5, with Bill and Deb. Hey, Bill. Hello. Today we are talking about the Great Reset, and I think it's worth mentioning that this is our second time talking about this topic. We tried to get into this episode last week. Um, you know, we, we took a stab at it. We were pretty comfortable and pretty happy with the outcome of our first pass at this episode, but it's really such a crazy and scary topic. Oh, so scary. Yeah, that we felt like we almost needed to give it a second pass and, you know, really dig into the details of it a little bit better. Uh, also, the last time we tried to record, we were at my house, and it's a lot more difficult with a puppy than you than I than I was thinking it would be honestly uh, Bill's home is way more conducive to podcasting uh, there are no puppies here yeah so and it's it's also just you know here's another point about how important we find this topic we are recording it during the second go round uh, in the middle of this freak March snowstorm yeah and Bill <laughs> up here in his area has like six inches outside already but damn it we were gonna do this thing again today absolutely because that's that how important, important. Yeah. yes. So, you know, as a quick note at the top of it all, you know, you can sum it up by simply saying the Great Reset is a big nefarious plot to change the way we live from affecting our currency and our ability to use it for goods and services to affecting the way we use natural resources and our general ability to be free and autonomous beings, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the pain that we're currently experiencing is by design and made to force us into this. And that is something that we've pointed out a few times before where, you know, we say if you listen to what they're telling you they're going to do, they are giving you these big, giant, skywriting hints. You know, the end is near almost, it seems like sometimes. Yeah, you've said that many times. And, and this, above all the other topics we've discussed so far, is the one where they're telling you about it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, lately, in, in a smaller example, it's, 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 it's interesting to me, people are you know talking about the gas prices, which do suck. And we'll get yeah. into that a little bit, too. But, you know, uh, Biden told us this during his campaign speeches. So... You know, I know that he can sit now and be like, oh, yeah, this is all Putin's fault or somebody else's fault or whatever. But you did tell us on the campaign trail that gas prices were going to go up. You said that in yeah. that exact sentence. So like, I don't think you can really blame it on that guy. But anyway, maybe uh, maybe for another another time when we talk about those kind of general fallacies. So anyhow, um, I think that, uh, you know, the, the Great Reset is an old concept um, but the most recent 15 years or so, I think, have contributed at a faster rate to it. I agree. It seems like things are, are uh, moving f- more forward and, and at quicker pace, especially in these past few years. And, yeah. And uh, you can really see it in the past year or two. Uh, indeed. And, you know, we'll get into that a little bit, how uh, kind of the, the latest big crisis of COVID and everything has kind of pushed it. But also, it, it was interesting to me lately, I was kind of trying to dig into a little bit more of our general financial problem that we have, which, you know, y- you can see it as a need to get into the great reset. Um, yeah. You've been saying that, that uh, they're going to tell us what's going to happen um, if we only paid attention. And this is touted as a conspiracy theory, but it's really a conspiracy fact. Yeah. There's so much information out there. It's, uh, it's undeniable that this is actually happening. Yeah. I mean, and then to say that it was the theme of the 50th conference. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Last year at the uh, 50th conference, actually in 2020 at the uh, 50th conference at Davos, uh, which is a, uh, um, conference held by the World Economic Forum in uh, Davos, Switzerland. Um, all the all the big players in the world get together there. Um, and the Great Reset was the theme of the 50th conference there, coincidentally, uh, the same year as COVID. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of convenient for him. What do you know? The Great Reset is actually um, kind of a pet project by Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. Um, and that... Uh, uh, the WEF was actually formed in 1971, so it's been going on for uh, for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Klaus is the author of the book that I've tried to read, but it's, it's so maddening to me, I can barely get through it. But the book is COVID-19, The Great Reset. So again, that tells you, so, you know, here they are at the conference. Hey, guess what? Let's start talking about The Great Reset. Perfect time to bring that project up to the forefront. Mm-hmm. We happen to have a big crisis going on. Um, yeah. You know, and at the time, and he talks about it in the book, 
that, and, and this book was written six months into the COVID pandemic. So he talks about that he feels changes to society happened or were perceived to be happening as a result of the COVID crisis. And, it, you know, it's safe to say that those who support this big Great Reset idea have been looking for the right crisis to use to launch it. And the book mentions that the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, CEPI, emerged at that annual meeting. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, yet again. I mean, I mean, <laughs> the pieces fit together entirely too well. Yeah. So the book goes into saying that it's the perfect time to change the economy. Uh, Jen Psaki even said in a press conference last fall, I think it was in October, said the same thing. So it was almost like a signal to move forward with the whole plan. And on the point of all of the, the hyping up the fear this particular time that we are in is perceived to be the, quote, last best chance to make this change to save humanity. So that makes it sound awfully scary. And the book, um, COVID-19, The Great Reset, has a diagram in it that's called the Global Risk Interconnections Map 2020 from uh, the World Economic Forum Global Risk Perception Survey. So it's got a bunch of icons all over it, and they correspond to the strength and weighted degree of a risk. And they show that climate failure is the biggest. It's just this big old block and, you know, in the middle, everything is connected to it like mm -hmm. a plate of spaghetti. And that's the biggest risk. That's um, the biggest risk. Exactly. The biggest risk yes. we face. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. thus the connection of the Great Reset in general to the Green New Deal. Uh, part of the theory of this whole Great Reset thing is that capitalism is fundamentally broken, and we need a, we need the Great Reset to fix capitalism. Um, and it appears that one of the goals is the decline of the U.S. in general, and um, if not the Western culture in general, uh, so that it's not the world's dominant power anymore. Yeah, and you know, to that end, it seems like you know when we talk about a little bit of the when we mention that recent events seem to be spurring this on faster. It, it seems that this particular administration that we have now very much supports this happening and bringing down the U.S. as a dominant world power. And you can, you can see that with the, uh, the, the way they're handling this, this energy crisis and the oil crisis, the way they are pushing us so quickly to inflation mm -hmm. because um, oil is traded around the world in petrodollars. Um, and, and that's, of course, backed by U.S. currency. It has been yep. for a long time, I think since the 70s. I had an article up here uh, about that, that decision having been made back in the 1970s with the petrodollar. Yeah, the full faith of the U.S. government yeah. is backing the petrodollar. Yeah. And at this point, with our dollars meaning less and less and less by the hour, it mm -hmm. almost seems... Um, a lot of countries are moving away from uh, from trading in petrodollars. And in fact, um, several countries have attempted to move away and or have already moved away from the petrodollar system. Listen to these examples of, of countries who have moved away from the petrodollar and are trading in different currency, which we are incentivizing by devaluing our own dollar. Mm -hmm. um, Iran, Syria, Venezuela and North Korea. You might call them the axis of evil. Yeah, yeah. So, what what yeah. do these countries have in common? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be uh, to be doing this to us on the world stage and, and messing things up like this on the global market. The global market, as it is structured, does benefit the U.S. That's the basis of our wealth. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'm sorry that many people suddenly have found us to be the big bad guys in the world. But, um, you know, we really aren't. And that's absolutely insane to be pushing that and, and letting this collapse happen. Yeah, definitely. And, and if it does collapse, then we're done. Yeah. We're, we're just done. It, it would be overnight, yeah. the way I understand it. Like, just yeah. totally overnight. If it just, boop, yeah. it would almost, you know, nothing that we have would mean anything. Mm -hmm. our, our currency would be essentially useless. I mean, I, I would almost liken it to what's happened in Venezuela. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Venezuela, even even the Weimar Republic uh, from years ago, just uh, um, you know Zimbabwe, all these all these places. Uh, yeah, if no one trusts your currency, then then we're mm -hmm. just we're we're just done. Yeah, sky high inflation. Yeah, and I think we'll, we'll we might make the point a little later, but um, Bill was was mentioning earlier about uh, another reason that U.S. currency has been considered so strong and. Um, smart to 
get behind is also because behind that is our military. Yep. And our military might has always been seen around the world as, you know, unshakable, unfa- infallible. And, and that also is not the case anymore going forward. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit too, because again, we're shifting our focus. Yeah. We're not doing with the military what should be done with the military. So yeah, exactly. you know, all of these things work together to, to show us, in my opinion, and, and, and many people who have their eyes open at this point, this administration is very much... This is their plan. Yep. This is an attack from within. This is a takedown. So yeah, and like you say, the the uh, the whole great reset thing. This is certainly not a small government thing. This is a very big government. This is world government sort of uh, sort of yeah, sort massively of huge and centralized. Uh, but at the core of this, there's really three principles that Klaus Schwab and his and his friends over there at the World Economic Forum have come out with. Um, and first principle or the goal would be to steer the markets toward fairer outcomes. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Uh, there's a lot of um, undefinable uh, uh, fluff words and in, also in a lot just, of these you know, things. Yeah, and keeping in mind that what this really means is that there's like one giant big entity that makes a decision on what is fair. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, what, and what, we've seen so far what huge amounts of centralized power can do. Yeah, definitely. So the first principle is to steer the um, uh, markets toward fair outcomes. The second principle is to um, ensure that investments um, advance shared goals such as equality and sustainability. And the third and final goal of the Great Reset is to harness the innovations of the fourth industrial revolution to support the public good, especially by addressing health and social challenges. Hmm. Uh, so those are some three pretty interesting ideas right there. Yeah, especially I mean, social challenges, kind of same thing. It's like one of those like uh, kind of ambiguous. Okay, are you going to decide what a social challenge is? Yeah, are means... we deciding? What, I mean, what what social challenge? Because there's a lot out there right now that I'm I'm not sure I consider them real challenges, but yeah. they tell you they are. It means whatever somebody in charge tells you what it means. Yeah, so. So let's go through the uh, some of the examples of the uh, of these uh, principles or goals. Yeah, expanding on them. Yeah. So in the in the first goal, that would that's the one that would steer the market toward fair outcomes, uh, whatever fair outcomes are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the private corporations would be the stewards of society, and one of the things that they um, that's kind of a, a driving principle of the um, of the Great Reset and uh, and even a, the motto is. It's 2030. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Uh, so, which basically <laughs> means you'll you're going to rent everything. Uh, there's going to be no ownership of anything. Uh, your car, your house, your furniture, your pots and pans. You know everything. It's all going to be rented. You yeah. want, uh, you know, you want a new sofa. You're going to call up, I don't mm-hmm. know, Amazon or somebody, and they're mm-hmm. going to deliver a sofa and you'll rent it. Uh, but who's who is actually going to own all this stuff? Um, and BlackRock is actually kind of coming up toward the um, toward the top of that list. They're buying up ridiculously large amounts of real estate at ridiculously large costs, like fifty percent over the asking price. Yeah, and sometimes like whole neighborhoods. And they have such an amazing amount of capital; mm-hmm. you, you can't even fathom the amount of money that they have. So, I mean, this is how easy it is for them yeah. that they're able to do things like that. You know what? We're just going to offer so much more. Just scoop it up, scoop it up. So that yeah. nobody else even has a chance, right? And and they're not doing this like like you and I would. You know, we let's say we buy a house and we're going to renovate it and flip it, or maybe and sell it to a person. Yeah, yeah. sell mm-hmm. it to a person. They don't have any interest in that. They're going to rent it mm-hmm. and and have large swaths of uh, of the economy as as rental properties. And even Uber and Lyft are getting us kind of into that. I mean, who hasn't taken an Uber? You, yeah, that's not your car. You're you're paying a you know, a fee to basically rent that and somebody's going to drive you around. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're kind of getting used to that. Yeah. And, the, you know, the scary thing about it, of course, is, you know, again, with the and, you, you know, we'll get into a little bit deeper further on in the in the talk today. But when you consider the the fact that they've already shown and when I say they, I mean, you know, folks in charge like Justin Trudeau, for mm-hmm. instance, um, up in Canada, Bank of America did it to folks here. Uh, they'll just turn off your ability to use money. Yeah. So if they can do that and you're renting everything, then what? You know, you yeah. just don't have anything. Too bad. Sorry. You, 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 you have not adhered to whatever criteria we've expected of you. Therefore, we're cutting off your ability to use any currency or gain any resources. Right. 
Rather scary stuff. That is rather scary stuff. Yeah. And uh, and on the topic of big banks, Mm -hmm. uh, there's this thing called the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, Mm. or GFANS, which sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it um, sounds awesome. GFANS. (laughs) I I got that on a t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So there's a bunch of banks that got together and uh, decided that uh, that we should all go uh, to uh, net zero emissions by 2050. And this was at Glasgow. Um, they had a summit in 2021, uh, putting limits on carbon levels, but these, these carbon levels would be impossible to achieve without shutting down entire economies. Mm-hmm. And, but of course, a lot of, a lot of people went along with this, like, uh, like Emmanuel Macron, Boris Johnson, our own administration. Our own administration. Yeah. And, and that's another thing when you think about the, the fact that, oh, well, you know, it would be impossible to reach these levels without shutting down economies. They don't care about whether or not economies have to be completely shut down. Mm-hmm. They wanted that to happen, even with COVID-19. Yep. You know, they were hoping that, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. People are going to be completely locked down. There's just no way anybody's going to be able to do anything. And that was that's part of what's in this book, because like I said, this book having been written only six months into the pandemic, it, 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 nobody really fathomed that the vaccine would be made available so quickly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with Operation Warp Speed, it, it was made available much quicker. You know, personally, I still have, I've got a lot of issues with the vaccine. And that is, um, you know, again, another topic for a future podcast when we talk about some of the real data that has come out about the thing. But regardless, it was necessary to have that vaccine uh originally the mm-hmm. necessity for it was to get the economy opened up again and back on track. They didn't want that. They would have been happy if that took another year or another, you know, who knows how long just to keep us, you know, locked down and producing nothing because that's, that's the big crisis that they need. Yeah. And um, it was uh, the, an initiative led by the green czar of the UN, Mark Carney, Along with Larry Flint of BlackRock, BlackRock, they brought together 130 banks that agreed that they would just stop lending to companies that have a carbon footprint. So, you know, again, this is us, you know, this is this is the big, big conglomerate powers that be deciding you cannot have any more money. We are not going to lend to you anymore because you don't meet this particular criteria you know, of zero carbon. And, you know, and they're talking about extending that even further to full industries, like no more aluminum, no more steel. Um, and, and the interesting thing about that is that there's, there's, there's no scientific evidence that global temperature increases are caused by carbon dioxide. So, you know, making that insane sweeping um, declaration, what is the real reason for it? If it isn't actually to solve the planet problem... Mm-hmm. Is it just to bring about this crazy plan? It's almost like some kind of insane control yeah, yeah. desire. Like it's just, it reminds me of, um, I don't know, Dexter's laboratory or something. You know what I mean? Like there's just somebody that's like, we, we can't have these people just milling about on the planet. We have to do something. You know, it's like crazy to me. So, you know, but anyhow, like Bill was saying, you know, like you're saying that lots of countries have gone along with it, but there are some that haven't gone along with it. Like, you know, India says they need to increase development. They're like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to uh, agree to a, uh, this crazy carbon emission. We need more development. And yeah. they do. You know, their, their population sense. is ri- rising. Yeah, that makes sense for them. Yeah. That's, they need all the, the steel and everything. They're, you know, rising economy. So why not just... Uh, do for your country what you think is best. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm all for it. And China says they'll do it, but they'll be increasing coal. Hmm. hmm. So, all right. Thanks, China. It doesn't sound like they're really going to go along with, uh, no, with all No, and that. I mean, and China has it had notoriously bad, you know, air quality and different problems like that. I mean, they're not... Uh, all, of, all of the efforts that have been made around the world to have a healthier planet... I, I think that it, it's safe to say that China has pretty much been in the bottom tier oh, of yeah. anybody who gives a damn about that and is really making changes. So, well, even uh, when was it last time? I, not not uh, this year, but the last time that the Olympics were in China, then they had to shut down all the all the uh, travel in in the city. They had to stop all the construction and everything so that the air quality would improve mm-hmm. and, and so that it would look decent. Yeah, when so they look decent. It yeah. kind of reminds me of what we did here in uh, in L.A. when we decided to have the Super Bowl there. Let's hide all the homeless. <laughs> because people are going to be coming into town now. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it looks good. Yeah, let's put away all the dirty laundry. Uh, so that was the um, that was the first um, 
the first goal of um, of the Great Reset. So some examples of the second goal of the Great Reset, um, and, and the second goal, of course, was uh, to ensure that investments advance shared goals such as equality and sustainability. Uh, some of those components would be um, to have uh, uh, companies uh, pretty much take the uh, take the lead on on the um, on the second component. Uh, they would be the ones who would, who would be investing. Uh, the government would support those corporations. Uh, therefore, the governments would use the corporations to achieve their goals. They wouldn't actually have to suppress free speech and all like that. Because companies would be expected to do it. And isn't right. that really the definition of fascism, to have yeah. government and corporations working together mm-hmm. to basically control the, the, the people? Hmm. Uh, that is fascism. So that's that's what really makes me nuts when, when people throw around that word. It's as if they don't know what it really means. So you know, when you have a let's let's use the Canadian example again. When when Trudeau can come out and say that the government says this and the corporations are behind it, and so therefore anybody who is outside of this sphere that we have created, you can't bank anymore, you can't be here anymore, you don't have a job anymore, you know, that's fascism. And, you know, when you talk about what their shared goals are, you know, like the goal of environmental sustainability, you know, kind of ties into what we were talking about before, shared goals of, quote, equality. One other thing that I think kind of fits into this is – at the G7, I think it was the most recent one, um, where Biden goes in and gets everybody to agree to the 15% minimum corporate tax all over the world. Wow. And so what that means is nobody has any choice. They're, they're creating this thing where you cannot escape. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's one of the things that we are supposed to have here in this country is a small federal government, and then you have... 50 little petri dishes that are states Mm. that you can move to any one of those. Hey, you don't like the way it is in Texas because of whether it be, I don't know, the abortion law or, you know, whatever you don't like. You can go to California where it's super easy. But if that's the life you want, then move to California. But don't make it so that that's the only choice that everybody has in all 50 states, you know? Exactly. And it's probably not snowing in California in March either. Yeah, right now. Just just true. Just putting that out there. I mean, I love Maryland. There's, I mean, I love the scenery in Maryland. There's so many things I love about it here, but to be honest, there's there's things about you know taxes and uh, social programs and lots of things that I don't like. I appreciate having the option mm-hmm. to move to another state if I see fit. You exactly. know, but I don't want it to get to the point that the federal government becomes so huge and centralized that they impact all fifty states, and then we're all in the same big gray blob. Right. You or know? even some other uh, large organization affects our government, which then affects us. Yeah. So thank you for uh, allowing me that that minor tangent there. Thank you. <laughs> it was an important tangent. Yes. <laughs> but basically, I guess, you know, when it, when we talk about these advanced, you know, making sure that our shared goals are met, it kind of brings me to uh, Janet Yellen and the big idea to monitor our transactions of $600 or more. And and that kind of feeds into a little bit of the the social credit score idea. So what that essentially does is turns the Fed into a policing agency. You know, it, it's going to search for all that stuff. You know, why? Have you, have you decided that I have too much, Janet Yellen and the Fed? You know, uh, am I spending too much? Do you not like what I'm spending it on? What, what's the problem here? Yeah, did you go to the gym? Did you spend your money on the gym? Or, or donuts. Did you, yeah. Or donuts? Or, <laughs> you know, did you watch the right thing on Netflix? Yeah. Or did you watch the wrong thing on Netflix? Yeah, How mean, are you spending your money? Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I hide purchases from my husband. <laughs> so I'm certainly, I don't want the government being aware of, I mean, you know, I got receipts in the trunk and, uh, you know, shoved in the, in the down pipes of the house. Who knows? Anyway, um, so, but beyond that individual policing, they also want to set up the Pentagon to find loans made to companies with a carbon footprint. And this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier when I was saying, what the heck are we doing diverting the military from its primary purpose of protecting the people Mm -hmm. to this kind of crazy bureaucratic crap? Lloyd Austin indicated in this 30-plus page report that the military is ready to team up and crack down on climate polluters because it is, quote, the biggest issue facing America today. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing with this, this this constant, like, 
fear-mongering crap. You know, it's just like everything should be something to be afraid of. COVID was something to be incredibly afraid of. Now it's 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 climate, and then you know it's good, or it's going to be Russia killing us all. You know, it's just it's always something, and they have to keep this constant hype up. It seems like, and it seems like the military has bigger things to focus on than the climate. I, I, mean, I certainly feel like there's a hell of a lot worse facing us than than climate issues. Yeah, personally, you know, I mean, even even if the even if uh, the climate is that big of a deal, then I'd put somebody other than the military on that. I mean, they got, Very good they got point. important things to focus on. Very good point. Um, and I think that uh, we were talking about Janet Yellen also being in charge of creating uh, this big future of money idea that there right. is. And of all the damn people, I don't really want Janet Yellen to be in charge of figuring out the future of money because, um, in fact, she was the head of the Fed for four years during which we were doing nothing but uh, printing money, reducing mm-hmm. um, interest to damn near zero. All of that, you know, when that started back in 2008, after the financial crisis we were facing then, it was a good idea to some degree, but Mm -hmm. needed to end somewhere. And they didn't end it. And it just, it was almost like it went on to create this massive monster. And it's been, it was a bit of a Ponzi scheme in a way. It was, it was complete mismanagement of our economy from the top. And, um, you know, it made it so that we weren't being productive, like we weren't producing things. Mm-hmm. It was like a like an asset inflation type of thing. So all of this has fed into this crazy pain that we're having now. Yeah, we're so going to have to get into that when we when we talk about economics and, and uh, money supply and all like that. Yeah, and I mean, and, and that's that's such a, a huge topic, and I'm looking forward to learning more, a little bit more about it because yeah, me it's too. you know I've said before that one of the things that made me start voting more conservatively was understanding economics a little bit better, and you know not just accepting the the status quo, but you know the point of us to to want to convey to the listeners that we are hoping that we are reaching is this is why it's important to pay attention to the policies that these people support and have. Mm-hmm. It, you can't just assume that everything they're doing is altruistic and good because they just tell you it is. There's a lot of deeper um, effects that this has, and all of a sudden you end up, you're the one holding the bag. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, well, they're all off in their you know, giant mansions and private islands and stuff like that, and here I am, I thought I was voting for the right thing all that time. So we're already seeing the impact of a lot of this, um, you know, uh, shared goal of sustainability, for instance, in energy costs. I mean, you know, we could talk to her blue in the face about the complaints of gas prices here at home. Um, And I was listening to an interview with a guy named Harvey Schlanger, who's an economic historian, and he calls it a uh, deliberate breakdown of the physical economic system. And it's the reason for the Great Reset and effectively what the Green New Deal is all about. Um, in Germany, where he lives, his energy costs last year increased 14% in the first nine months of, of 2021. And he said that they were, I mean, the government was basically telling the people, expect them to go up another 14%. So this wow. is this is a 30% increase of their energy costs in a year. That is not insignificant. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just like, we think that we're hurting here. I mean, that's, it, it could be coming our way, I guess. I mean, gas is just the beginning for us. Yeah. Um, but this is largely because Germany decided to shut down their nuclear power in response to the tsunami in Fukushima. So again, hmm. this is this is, you know, the big powers that be saying, "Hey, this thing happened in Fukushima. Now you have to react and change the way you're doing things because our new shared goal is, you know, sustainability and 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 avoidance of a problem like that. We don't want that to happen again. So you have to change." Yeah, so is uh remind me again, is Germany near any kind of fault lines or anything like that? I Yeah. I, <laughs> No, they're oh. not. So oh, okay. they're like, well, that's well, interesting. But we don't have a nuclear power plant built on a fault line, so why do we have to do that? Well, there will be no questioning of it. It simply must be. So now Germany has begun buying more energy from Poland and the Czech Republic, and what do you know? They buy a whole lot of energy from Russia. Interesting. So I do remember um, a certain former President Trump indicating that this was a problem at the UN. And it was a big, funny joke that he was laughed at. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, I mean, you know, basic logic, he's just saying, why is there expectation that um, countries from around the world will 
pay into this fund to support countries from Russia, and those countries turn around and enrich Russia by getting their energy from them. So, you know, Trump was saying maybe it would be a better idea for you to uh, get your your energy from a more peaceful, less threatening source. Yeah. Produce your own, you know, whatever the case may be. But um, no, no, he was laughed out of the room on that. Uh, yes, and how did that work out for Germany? Yeah, we've got a bit of a tangled uh, web now over there. Yeah. So the third and final priority of the Great Reset Agenda is to harness the innovations of the Fourth Industrial Revolution to support the public good, especially by addressing health and social challenges. And uh, just as a definition, the uh, the Fourth Industrial Revolution pretty much brings together uh, biology and technology um, uh, the first industrial revolution was in the in the 1800s, and that was the what we would typically call the industrial revolution. You know, you got the steel mills and trains and all like that. Uh, the second one was uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, start to get um, uh, the industries start to get bigger, uh, a little bit more uh, more efficient. You got uh, you know Henry Ford's assembly line. Um, the third industrial revolution, I think, started around the fifties. That's more of a um, using, t- starting to use technology to our advantage, uh, the early computers and everything. And now we're into the fourth industrial revolution. This is according to Klaus Schwab, by the way, mm. uh, that we're, we're getting into that. Our friend. Um, yeah, our friend, uh, Klaus Schwab. <laughs> um, so there's, there's some examples of that, uh, that, that we all have, um, that we can all relate to on mm-hmm. this one. Um, like being apart from your cell phone. I mean, no one's apart from their cell phone these days. No. I mean, I've got mine here. You've got yours there. I'm you've totally got a tablet. stressed if I can't find it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got a tablet here. I've got a tablet here. I got a laptop. There's computers all around. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know we're, we're not apart from technology. Yeah, uh, the internet is ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Um, but it changes. This will change who we are. Um, and all new technologies are bringing together the digital and biological world. So we'll we'll kind of. Uh, uh, combine into a uh, into a hybrid there. Hmm. Um, and we're, he says we're going to use a lot of robots too. I mean, we, we've been promised robots for decades, but this is uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to we're going to use a lot of robots, um, and that's going to fundamentally change how we work. Robots and AI they'll do a lot of what we call work. So we'll just have you know side gigs to kind of make some extra money. Um, I'm sure the um, what is it? The universal basic income. I'm sure that'll come into play mm-hmm. here. Yeah, you will simply have what we allot you, and that is it. It it, it basically takes away merit as yeah. a whole, in yeah, a way. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't matter anymore how much you work or how good you are at anything. This is what you get, and this is you know what you do. Whether right. it's just cranking a wheel all day or weaving a basket, or you know who knows. Yeah. And I mean, your skills almost would mean nothing. I yeah. mean, at some point, and you're uh, you just make some money to to rent some more stuff, I suppose. Yeah, hand to mouth, and and uh, that gets into, of course, population control and and everything. Um, if the population is reduced, that's that's really not a problem. We got robots. We can we just make some more robots. We can use some more AI. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of your dystopian future sort of a sort of a thing there. It, it's insane, and th- this um, th- you talk about the cyber physical systems. So it would basically be like um, kind of creating. So as part of this um, uh, fourth industrial revolution, then there's um, uh, something that uh, World Economic Forum um, and others are calling the cyber physical system. Uh, also known as a CPS, and that's going to bring advances in personalized healthcare, emergency response, traffic flow management, electric power generation, um, and uh, and pretty much anything else where you can uh, bring together uh, the digital world and the physical world. And some of these examples might include um, you might have heard the, of the Internet of Things, um, the industrial inter- the industrial internet, smart cities, smart grid, and pretty much smart anything. Uh, you know, smart cars, smart buildings, smart appliances. Well, it brings me, you know, the, talking about the fourth industrial revolution and trying to understand what that means uh, to me brought me back to wanting to look into more uh, with Bill Gates and all of the uh, odd, nefarious things that he has his hands in, especially from a healthcare perspective. You mentioned like smart healthcare. Yeah. You know, what does that really mean? 
And, uh, you know, we also talk about, uh, you know, robots doing jobs and things like that. And it, it made me want to look into the fact that I know that Bill Gates has been talking about population control for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I looked into it and he said uh, years ago, he was like, you know, the world population is heading to about 9 billion. Then he says, and this article will be listed in our show notes. It's if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care and reproductive services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. So, you know, my mind like, you know, shivers to think of what, what, what do you mean by these re- reproductive health services and things of that nature? So um, this article goes on to explain that the Gates Foundation invested $20 million in the development of these implants uh, in 2014, there were microchips announced uh, a remote-controlled wireless implant contraceptive that could be turned on and off remotely. So uh, what are you deciding when we are fertile and having babies or not? Wow. So this is his That's way. Scary. It is scary. And it's like, and it, it's also, I mean, you know, people can dig into it on their own, but it's got a, it's got a really interesting racist element also. Because, of course, they don't mention who this is for, but he always talks about it being in third world countries. Hmm. And they can say that, but, you know, this is it's it's coming to a place near you. I mean, this guy is but that and that's the thing. It's this insane power hungry trip. How can we orchestrate all the dealings of the world? You know what I mean? So I, I don't understand why it should be Bill Gates who decides what population of people should continue to procreate and which should not. That's rather sick to me. That is, you know, so, um, but to your point about this uh, kind of um, melding of technology and and kind of like human biology and health, um, the Vaccine Alliance Partners and the Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, which is the largest private foundation in the world, with the World Health Organization, the World Bank, and vaccine manufacturers, they are helping to ensure what they call healthy markets for vaccines. And and hear that properly, that what they're looking for is healthy markets for vaccines, not for people. In 2017, uh, that alliance focused on providing every child on the planet with a digital biometric identity. Really? Yeah. I mean, so that's supposed to be in they said immunization needs a technology boost. He said that the goal of 100 percent immunization cannot be implemented without a secure digital identification system that can store a child's medical history. Um, And so the the article goes on to say, and, you know, I I don't want to quote from it verbatim and bore everybody to death, but Bill Gates has spent years of funding this research in 2018. The alliance expressed the need for finding, identifying, and registering the most vulnerable children. That's the way they claim it to be. But then eventually there will be digital certificates to show who has recovered from coronavirus, for instance, who has tested recently. Um, and, And this, of course, all feeds into also the immunization passports. So this is, it's a solution almost in search of a problem, I don't know yeah. if that's really the right way to put it or not. No, but it's I think like, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. The, the little bit that I've looked into this and 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 read about it and listened to it, then it's a um, it's a um, it's a technology uh, to be used, but it wasn't developed for uh, the vaccines and everything like that. But it's a tool that can be used by vaccines, so so you can use it for for everything else. Like you know, like we were talking about earlier, you know. You go to the gym and you scan your little, mm-hmm. you know, QR code and oh, great, Deb, you went mm-hmm. to the gym, mm-hmm. excellent. Yay. And then, and, yeah. And then you know somebody else goes to the, you know, the donut shop next door and they scan theirs. Oh, that's uh, you know you. Wah, wah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. So so they can you know uh, track you and and uh, perhaps only allow you to um, you know I don't know spend your money at the yeah. gym or something like that. And, and the interesting thing about it is, and 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 this is definitely like tinfoil hat time, and and I will probably leave the topic at this because it might be too much for people. But my concern with all of this is, if you can convince us all or force us all to take a vaccine that we do not need, 
and we know that we do not need it, you know, but if you can make it so that too bad, you have to have it because without it, you're not going to be able to survive because it's now tied to all of these other things that we are controlling about Mm -hmm. you. You can't have money. You can't have a home. We're not going to rent things to you. All of these different, uh, you know, uh, uh, things that they can control. If they give, you know, if they force that to be the case, what is to stop them from using this as uh, the door opening to give us uh, other kinds of drugs, microchip implants, different uh, technologies like that that could be used to control us in every kind of way? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there are studies out there. Um, like the Nazi wonder drug experiments, for instance, you know, th- th- there, there's a long history of sick, corrupt leaders wanting to implement some kind of like mind control mm-hmm. on their people. You know, I mean, what does a corrupt leader fear most? I would hope that he would fear the uprising of the people. Yeah. So if you can control that, you know, why wouldn't you look into ways that you, you, you can achieve that outcome? So to me, that's the slippery slope of this. And if, if we're all just going to, you know, mindlessly be like lemmings walking into Walgreens to get jabbed with God knows what it's going to be, yeah. you know, um, then that's, and, and again, I can't wait to talk about the vaccine in a future episode. Yeah, I think we're, <laughs> we've been talking about doing a, doing a follow-up on some of the previous episodes. Once we get maybe some more, more episodes, and we'll do a follow-up on our, everything that's, uh, that's happened since we talked about it the first time. So yeah. we'll, I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll come up again. Yeah. And then um, that kind of leads into um, the social credit score, um, also known as ESG, which stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And it's basically a corporate credit score. Um, with with their current financial credit score, you know, you uh, uh, you pay off your credit cards and and you pay your your rent or mortgage on time, and you get a you know, get a better uh, credit score, seven hundred and some or eight hundred, however however much, or you or you stop paying your your uh, your car loan or something, and and it goes down. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's. To me, it seems kind of arbitrary because it's not really well defined. And I tried to find a definition and and um, uh, some sort of metric to mm-hmm. um, uh, to tie everything together. But uh, but there really isn't. It's pretty much up to in the, to the individual companies as to what standard they want to um, they want to implement for their lending. And there are some examples. Um, um, I probably remember what a year ago uh, Delta Airlines uh, came out against the um, uh, the election laws in Georgia, mm-hmm. and that's kind of to improve their e their environmental because you know what does Delta Airlines do? They they fly big jets around and mm-hmm. pollute the environment to try to get people from one end to the other. So they try to improve their their social score by coming out against uh, some. Uh, you know, some uh, social um, uh, topic and yeah, then, I, then, then uh, thus reducing their yeah, environmental impact. Ignore the bad environmental impact I have because look at me, I'm doing everything you want me to socially. And of course, you know, it, it goes without saying that ugh, the airline industry has been so bailed out mm-hmm. over and over and over again that they definitely have a reason to uh, you know, to do whatever the government tells them to do. Right, right. So, yep. Okay, then, sure, sure thing. We'll talk, speak out against Georgia election laws. Yeah, and then um, uh, then an example of uh, of a social thing would be um, uh, would be some bank account freezes as mm-hmm. part of the uh, Canadian trucker protests. Yeah. You know, some of the the uh, protesters got their bank accounts frozen. Yeah, uh, that was actually announced by Christia uh, uh, Freeland, um, who's the uh, Deputy Prime Minister of Canada and also the Finance Minister, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I happen to find her name very ironic. Yeah, Freeland. Freeland. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, she's Freeland. also she's also a member of the uh, Board of Trustees of the World Economic Forum, um, and also a young global leader in the World Economic Forum. Uh, just to tie some things together there. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, um, the truckers didn't want what the government uh, wanted them to do, so uh, so they got punished. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so there's some the the banks were able to uh, to increase their s again by uh, doing what uh, what the government wanted them to do and of course let's not forget about the government who tried to coerce corporations to try to get us to take the covid vaccine mm-hmm. and actually this this also ties into uh, what we've been seeing with um, a lot of companies 
cutting ties with Russia um, over the past couple of weeks. You know, you have uh, you have McDonald's and you have Netflix and you have Boeing and you have all these big companies, uh, Ford, Airbnb, Disney, Ikea, Sony, uh, Visa. Uh, they've they've all cut ties with mm-hmm. with Russia, which is basically just punishing the Russian people. It's yeah. not punishing the, you know, the leadership or anything like yep. that. But that's that's increasing the S score mm-hmm. here. So that's those are examples of of S or mm-hmm. or the uh, the social uh, component of ESG. And an example of of um, of the G component of governance is um, a while back, and I think it's been stopped. But California wanted quotas for certain people on corporate boards and in leadership of companies. Mm-hmm. Like um, you have to have so many women, so many minorities and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And I mean, it, that kind of like almost brings me back to the whole like lack of skills and merit being a factor in things too. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, hell, we saw this with the latest Supreme Court nominee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hasn't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have like, you know, a, a pile of resumes on my desk and choose from that pile the most qualified individual from this role. Instead, the criteria for this front and center is that it is going to be a black female, period. Yeah. I don't care what your record is. If you are a, um, you know, a Hispanic male, you need not apply. White male, absolutely don't even bother because yeah. you should probably not even be alive. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's know. kind of a, a, an example of of, uh, of governance or G mm-hmm. in uh, well, in our government. Yeah, it's, and, it's and, kind and it's of happening right thing. in front of your face. I mean, you know, hey, Kamala Harris was chosen for a couple of particular criteria. I don't yeah. think that it's uh, wrong to say that that's the case. Yeah. And we can see how that's working out. It really isn't working out very well. Really she is. is a person that was barely liked in her own district. If I understand properly. And then, you know, they put her up for vice president of the entire country. Insane. So, you know, and she's not particularly skilled or adept at the job. We can see that on the world stage, left and right. Whether they choose to air it on the corporate media or not is irrelevant. I mean, we know that it's happening. I mean, we know it's happening. I don't know what people think that that aren't in the know on this stuff. Are they still believing in that good altruistic idea Again, that that's what I mean when I say you can't just, you know, go into the ballot box and hit that button because you think you're doing, quote, the right thing. Yeah. You know, it just it's so much bigger than that. Well, this has been kind of a scary episode. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there's things that we can do to uh, try to prevent this or at least minimize our, our impact, our personal impact, our community impact here. Uh, first thing is uh, pretty much to become educated and vocal. Uh, look at the issues, tell your friends about it, uh, heck, start a podcast, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, tell local politicians, especially, and and uh, and you can even uh, look to hold uh, local office, you know, your, your zoning commission, your school board, that sort of a thing. Um, you know, these are all uh, perhaps not as glamorous as being, you know, a state senator or something like that, but they're, yeah. they'll probably impact everyone's life more. Yep. Uh, you can look at, at a couple of, of different people. Um, there's a lot of information about this out there. Um, uh, Glenn Beck's probably the uh, one of the leaders in that. Uh, yeah, and you know, and when, when when you hear that name, you know, you just want to say that that's a guy that you know back in the day, you know, years mm-hmm. ago, everybody flipped out. And you know, Glenn Beck is like deplatformed off so much, and he's a complete nut. Don't listen to anything he says. But when you look back at it now, mm-hmm. you realize how ahead of the curve he was on so many things. Yeah, definitely. You know, so just, you know, and, and I only point that out to say, allow yourself to do some checking into this stuff instead of just believing that you are right and believing that the people uh, that you that you've traditionally trusted are simply right yeah. because they aren't. And, you know, and we're finding that out now. So, you know, and, and that's what I, I want us to keep coming back to the same, you know, purpose of why we're even doing this project at all is to, yeah. you know, to give people that kind of like empowerment and courage and confidence to explore something else. It's okay to change and shift from a news source or, you know, your mm-hmm. belief of the absolute truth, you know, Right. Yeah. Don't even uh, don't even believe everything that Glenn Beck says. He even yeah. says, you know, uh, you know, do your own research. Right. Um, ignore what leaders are saying, because uh, uh, basically they're they're thinking you're not as smart as yeah, them. I mean, and I, you you need to do what's best for a family. So, yeah. so do some research. Look into it. Right. I mean, for me, it seems like the uh, my my new um, litmus test is the more Jen Psaki or anybody want, uh, you know wants CNN. 
MSNBC want to hammer away and tell me how to think Mm -hmm. and what to do and how to feel. The exact opposite is usually what I want to do. And I'm going to look into this and be like, why are they pushing me so hard to have this particular belief? That tips me off to something I need to check out. Yeah, going back to, I think, our last episode on the media. Mm -hmm, um, Indeed. Yeah, that's... uh, uh, you know why? Why, are, why is this narrative coming up? Yeah, uh, that's that's one of those things. Uh, some something else you can do is is to buy local, uh, local farms, local businesses. Um, you don't always need to buy everything through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, they always say that uh, support your neighbors. Of course, um, they're not as interested in the ESG stuff. Yeah, uh, and, and we're all in this together here it, it, locally too. Yeah, it's a way to fight the big centralization and and huge conglomerate situation mm-hmm. that we're in now. Yeah, definitely. And, and on that topic, also bank local, your local credit unions and uh, some independent banks in your community are, are you know, just as good. Um, you know, I used to have Bank of America and there were, you know, there was things I didn't like about them. So I dropped them. They're just a, a, a huge corporate entity. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I did, I told them exactly what, uh, why I was dropping them too. Good for you. And uh, which I think is, is, is important. Um, if enough people tell them about it, then maybe they'll start to listen to them. Yeah. Um, and also uh, be prepared, um, you know, form a network of, of people with different skills in your area uh, start collecting food and supplies and, you know, toilet paper and paper towels. Yeah, and, we learned that one. Yeah, we learned <laughs> that one. Yeah. Uh, canned food. You know, you go to the store, you buy you buy some canned food, uh, buy twice as much. Mm-hmm. And then you put your, you know, put put one of them in the, in the pantry where you're going to use it every week and then put the other one in, you know, some closet you're going to yeah, store for a, a year or, or two. Yeah, and, then, and then do the same thing the next week. And, and soon you'll have, uh, you have enough to keep you... Uh, you know, sustained in the event of uh, something happening. And, and especially considering, you know, even even at the, you know, least scary uh, degree, y- you would be kind of inflation-proofing yourself a little tiny bit as oh, much yeah, as you yeah, possibly yeah. can. You know, I'm buying this can of corn today at today's crazy price <laughs> instead of next month's crazy price. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah, so it, uh, it, has some, it has some benefits. And I don't think anybody's in the history of everything ever said, oh, I'm just, I'm too prepared. Yeah. If only I had been less prepared. Yeah. If only I'd been (laughs) less prepared, I would have, uh, I would have uh, weathered that storm a little better. Yep. Well, I'm so glad that we decided to give this another crack and, uh, and, and, and cover this topic again. I think, I think this was very informative to me. It was a great conversation to have with you. I hope that it's helpful to other people to understand that this is a real thing that's happening. Um, It deserves our attention it uh, it warrants digging into and understanding it, and um, you know supporting leaders that are going to uh, fight against it, and um, exposing uh, those leaders that that push us off the cliff a little bit more. So uh, you know, again, hey, it's an election mm-hmm. year. You know, beyond that, it's just it's important to stay informed. And as we say, the government is best when it's small, as it was intended. 